I'm going to tarry for a moment if someone's got a word for the Lord, but we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start at the 6th verse. It is good to see this congregation, Pastor, it's wonderful. God restoring, I believe that, recovering. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we just thank you for another opportunity for this Sabbath day to come up here with an opportunity, a privilege to preach the word. We appreciate the ones who have a desire to be in your house amidst uh, the certain situations we see in the world today. That, Father, our faith and our love for you is greater than that, and we appreciate that. And we, we uh, just pray a, a hedge of protection upon everyone here this morning, the ones that are tuning in virtually. Father, we're here for you, uh, nothing else. Uh, I pray this morning that they don't hear from uh, you or about you, they hear from you. Father, only you can do that through your Holy Spirit. Give me an unction to preach. Uh, that I may preach with power and clarity. Father, you know the need of the hour. You know the situation of the heart. Do what only you can do. And we'll give you credit and glory for it all. In your son's precious name we pray. And amen. Yeah. Starting the sixth verse of Philippians chapter four. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Focus on that for a second as we continue reading. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and once again, the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at your la- at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. And this is the verse I want to focus on this morning. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, in, I am therewith to be content. Amen. In whatsoever state I am in. Therewith to be content. There is a psychological method that many therapists use. It actually arose in the 1970s. And it's called the illusory truth effect. Or the illusion truth effect. And and it was a phenomenon to psychologists. And it wasn't. It was just really came to the surface. And made mainstream psychology in the 70s. But it had been around forever. Even Aristotle said. Give me a child until he's seven years old. And I'll show you the man he'll become. So this. This psychological method was a proven theory that if you would isolate an individual in a room and by repetition tell them a statement, whether it be truth or whether it be fiction, over and over and over again, that after a length of period of time, that individual would believe that statement. It was a repetition that no matter what, if you repeated it enough, and you've seen that maybe in circumstances around you, if you're a teacher or maybe you know family members, but abusive relationships, maybe it's a husband to a wife or a a father to a a son or a mother to a daughter where they say you're not good enough and and you're not pretty enough. and, And over and over and over again, you hear that same statement. Well, sure enough, that statement, whether it be truth or not, becomes truth to them. And it's a proven study that you can 
begin to uh, through repetition. And we see it, to be honest, in the political media spectrum of, of both sides we've seen in the last year that depending on whatever channel you watch, you got the same thing over and over again. Whatever side of the aisle, because that's what happens when they just continue to, to speak it every, every day. Well, I believe subtly... Throughout the years, the church has repeated some things to congregations that I'm guilty of myself. That there's that the statement that we've repeated throughout that we are always in a battle or we're always in a storm or we're always going to be going through a tribulation. And if you weren't in a battle or if you weren't in a storm, then you better put on the armor of God because you're about to be in a storm or a battle. You were either going into battle or you were coming out. But that life was this constant battlefield. And I've preached it for years. We, we all have, and I'm guilty of it. Because what happens is, uh, over time, if we think that it's always storm time, if we think there's always a tribulation, if we think we're always in the middle of battlefield, then subliminally what sinks in is this thought, is that there can be no peace in our lives. God help us. Because that is contrary to what Christ came to do. And it's not true. Now, the fact is, yes, in this world there can be no peace. But with, with us having Christ, we are the only ones capable of having it. In a world where there's chaos, Christians are the only ones through the Holy Spirit and the peace that Christ brings that we can actually have order. We don't have to live a chaotic life. And that's what Paul was saying here in Philippians chapter 4. He says it two times before he gets to verse 11. Talking about this peace. This peace that goes beyond understanding. It goes beyond logic. It's not something that can be manufactured. In fact, it's not even something that makes sense. He's writing this letter while he's in prison and says, I can have peace. I have peace, which surpasses understanding. And then he says in verse 11... He says, in whatsoever state I am in, therewith be content. Whatever, I love that. Whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. That word content in the Greek is the word outer casey. Outer casey, which means this, get a hold of this folks, inwardly self-sufficient. That's what content meant when he said it. He said, in every situation, no matter what I'm faced with, I am inwardly self-sufficient. Sufficient. Now we know self-sufficiency like a farmer. I'm self-sufficient. I don't have to rely on companies. I, I make my own food. I, I grow my own food by whatever I do with my hands. But it's external. But what Paul says is I am content because on the inside I'm self-sufficient. I don't have to look outward as those, as those shackles you know, shook and he could hear it. He said, I don't have to look outward to find contentment, to find peace. I look inwardly because of Christ which lives in me. And I'm telling you this morning, inward sufficiency and not outward sufficiency will produce peace. Because sufficiency produces satisfaction and satisfaction produces peace. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the world cannot produce satisfaction either. But what has happened is we have looked to the world so long. And we have looked at the condition of man for so long. And we have tried to extract, we have tried to extract contentment externally, and we have been left with no peace. We've been left with no peace. 
And we've repeated it over and over and over that until the Lord comes, there will be no peace. It's sad that there's more peace during that small span of the Antichrist than we have as Christians today having the inward dwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life. Christ came to bring peace in our life. Sure did. Now, I've used it a thousand times. He says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. But that's a different situation altogether. But what Christ came to bring in your life is peace. But what has happened psychologically in our minds, we have heard it over and over again, that it has become a now a fundamental doctrine of Christians that you can have no peace. You better get ready. The enemy's there. You're going to go in a storm, out of a storm, and right back into a storm. You're going to be on the battlefield. You're going to have enough time to lick your wounds, and you're going to be back in the battlefield. But I believe that there can be a season of peace through Jesus Christ. We need to stop looking for, to man for peace. And we will produce something that actually is tangible. And you know what? We need to stop asking for permission for it. Christ came to bring us peace. It's, it's tangible through Him. I don't have to ask the world if I can have peace. It's not something they can afford, so it's not something they have authority over. Christ is the prince, or better yet, the authority on peace. But nonetheless, we look towards man, and we and that's why we have no peace, because no one else can supply it. 1988, Bobby McFerrin, it was a number one hit, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Shot to the top of the records. This small little melody of, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Sold an unbelievable amount of records. Bobby McFerrin today will not sing that song. He said, it ruined my career. He said, it's all that they wanted to hear. I would be hired to do a concert. He said, I've got a, a, a whole a library of songs that I've produced. And all they want to hear is, don't worry, be happy. Bobby McFerrin can't even take his own advice. You want to say, Bobby, just don't worry, be happy to sing the song. But this is the problem. We've looked towards man. For contentment, for happiness, for peace. And the fact of the matter is, you won't find it there. Look what Christ says, John 14, 27 through 29. You don't have to turn, but if you want to, you can. He said this, peace I leave with you. He said, it's yours. I'm leaving it with you. He says, may peace I give, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. And look what it says right here. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice because I say I go unto the Father. Oh, wait, wait. We would rather the external presence of Christ to bring peace in our life. When he said, if you really loved me, you would rejoice that I go away. Because the peace that I'm going to send back, it will be left with you, and it will be the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It won't be based on circumstance. It won't be based on situation. It will be based on a contentment, an inward self-sufficiency that only Christ can supply. John 16 and 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me... That in me, you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. And we, folks, how many testimonies have I stood up and, and I, I just focus on, God said I'll have tribulation. I've said it a thousand times. Yeah, but you have to keep reading. Yes, we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. 
That tribulation is not the final word in my life. Peace is the final word in my life. Let me ask a question. I don't need a show of hands. But who wants more peace in your life? Folks, we all do. You know? And look at us, Christians. We are the worst. We've got the... Bags under our eyes, we're, we're drained, we're stressed, we're, we're on the edge of our seat. I mean, we're overwhelmed on everything. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Christ has said, came to give us something more, not once we die and go to heaven. He said, you can achieve it now. I leave this peace with you. I want to show you that in illustration God showed me. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, if you've been in church very long, you know Israel had enemies. <laughs> More than they wanted. They had so many thorns in their side. Constantly. I mean, Israel was constantly at battle with these other pagan nations. The Egyptians, the Amalekites, the Edomites, the Canaanites, you know, the Syrians or the Armenians, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Midianites, the Philistines, the Assyrians, the Babylonians. For, for a portion of the entire New Testament, constantly Israel was just in battle. No peace. But there was a portion that I want to show you this morning where it was a season of peace. And I want to, I believe that the Holy Spirit's telling me this morning that there's a recipe through Jesus Christ that we ourselves can have a season of peace. That despite what you're going through, despite where you're at, Circumstantially, you could be like Paul, and whatsoever, I'm content, I'm at peace. God is enough. But there was a portion of, of the time of, of Israel under the leadership of Samuel that they had peace. Now Samuel was uh, around 13 when he was called a prophet. He would be the last judge of Israel, and he would be one of the first prophets of Israel. So I want to turn to First Samuel chapter 17. I want to start reading at the 13th verse. This was at the end of, or during, but they're, they're reflecting over the, the span which Samuel judged Israel. Verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued. <laughs> they were subdued. Meaning they didn't rise up against them. They were subdued. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord, oh, sorry, verse 13 again, and 14, and the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron, even unto Gath, and the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. I tried to look up the span in which he judged Israel. Once again, he was called at about the age of 13. But we see it somewhere around 50 years of no war. 50 years of no enemies. 50 years of peace. Imagine for a second how good that felt to Israel. Yeah. I would say, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Because this feels good. That despite all the enemies that surround us on a constantly basis, that you have 
given us a season in which we're at peace, where our enemies aren't even coming into our coast. That which they had stole from us had now been recovered, and we're at peace. Christ can do that right now in our lives. But something changed. Look, this is 1 Samuel chapter 7. The next chapter. Just turn one chapter over. This is what happens when man looks to man and not to God. Once again, under the leadership of Samuel, there was no king. Samuel was a prophet, so he inquired of the Lord and gave the message of the instruction of what God said for the children of Israel. They didn't need a king. They didn't need a middleman. It was God the prophet to the children of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting at the beginning of the chapter. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judge over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel and the second of it, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. That's what happened when man gets involved. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel under Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, not that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and shew them in the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him of a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give them to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and the, your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and he shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which he shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay. He told them exactly what would happen. Down to the T. What they would be doing, how they would be doing it, what he would... Listen to me. They were trying to break their backs. And that's what happens when you try to produce peace, which only Christ. You will break your back and you will break the will of an entire nation in efforts to produce and manufacture peace that God said, I can only supply. Amen. They are willing to lose it all in, in a thought that maybe man could bring them peace. They had peace 50 years and they said, it's not good enough. We need man. God said, that's fine. 
I can show you all that I've done for you, even unto this day. But if you reject me, here's what's going to happen. And look at the world around us. Look at the condition of the church. We are not at peace inwardly anymore. And we work more, and we do more, and we give more, and yet, externally, it cannot be produced. He said that. Samuel told him exactly what would happen. And they said, no, we're not listening. Nay. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. First, they wanted one. Then they said, they're going to have one no matter what. (laughs) How many times we said, God, I want you to lead me. God tells you, gives you direction. You say, no, I was going the other way already. And we may be like all the nations. That our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard the words of the people. And he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. You want a recipe for no peace? You want a recipe that in whatever situation you are not content at all. And you never will be. Not being inwardly self-sufficient. I'll tell you, this is the recipe. Number one, they wanted a king. They no longer trusted that God would be enough. And I'm telling you, if God's not enough, nothing else will be. Nothing else will be. A judge can only dictate external behavior modification. That's it. Performance. Judge says, don't do that. I'm not going to do it. Externally, out of fear. But Christ came through love that he could inwardly change a heart. I tried before I was saved to stop the things in which I was doing and simply a treadmill that I couldn't keep up with. But Christ came into mine, not as a judge above me, but a God within me. And he produced something in me. And they could not understand that. A king was a man, and a man cannot bring peace. Saul was a prophet, as I just said a moment ago. But he relayed that that message. And what ignorance to say, that's what the children of Israel thought. And that's what so many people think today. I would rather have a king. They said it. We want a king over us. When they had a God with them. They said, we'd rather have a king over us. Than a God with us. Think of that. That's ignorant speaking. I want a God that's going to walk with me. Not one that's over. Jesus Christ came to where I am. That he could walk with me. Number two. A recipe for no peace. Is to be like all the nations. That's what they said. They said we look around. Yes. We're at peace. But we we see every other nation. And every other nation has a king. We want to be just like every other nation. They God did not create Israel to be like another nation. God created Israel to be separate from all other nations. To make them different. He says in Deuteronomy 7 and 6. He says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth. And I'm telling you right now, nothing has changed. Jesus Christ came to you to make you not like everyone else. Well, my neighbor's in chaos. Uh, My friends don't have any peace. They're not content. You're not like them. You have Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit in which you can be in jail as Paul was and still have peace. Sure can. 
still have contentment in what situation? A peace that surpasses all understanding. Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should shew forth the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're not supposed to look like everyone else. And I'll be honest with you. You want to be an example in the world you live in. Be in dire circumstance, diverse temptations, and consider joy. Be in situations when everyone else would crumble, throw their hands up and say, I can't do it anymore. And for you, through Christ, to have peace. I'm telling you, the world's looking for people like that. A separate people. But listen, if your identity is in this world, then you will have no peace. But if your identity is in Jesus Christ, peace is a byproduct of that intimate relationship. And number three. The children of Israel said this. We want a king that will go out before us and fight our battles. Now that's already a promise. But this is a different context in which the children of Israel. They were saying, we don't want a part of it. (laughs) We don't want to be anything that looks dangerous, anything that looks unsafe. We want a God that will make us not accountable. We want a God that will go out and fight our battles for us, and we can sit with our feet up, and that's the kind of king we want. That's, That's what we want. When God said, I'm giving you the victory, but you still go and have to possess it. And that's the problem with so many today. We have a generation who want peace, but are not willing to go out and take it. Because peace was not in the victory on the battlefield, but peace was in the statement that God said it's yours if you want it. You can possess it. It's yours if you want it. Yes, we're going to have to go through things. Yes, we're going to have to fight, but the peace will be constant. Children of Israel said, we don't want a God that's going to tell us that we have victory. We don't want anything to be a part of it. And I'm telling you, that doesn't help at all. That doesn't produce anything in us. But when God allows us through Him, that, that through, or God through us, it produces strength, it produces perseverance, it produces a faithfulness in a believer. But for a God to say, like that king that they wanted, just to sit back and I'll do it all for you. No, that's not the God we serve. But God wants to give us peace that through us, that through it all, we can be content. That we're going to, that we can continue to press through it and still have peace. Hebrews 12 and 11 says it so profoundly. No, now, now no chastening. None of it. Like a father to a son. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the what? Peaceable fruit of righteousness. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth it. And look what it says. Unto them which are exercised thereby. It's in operation. The peace despite the circumstance. Problem is, we don't even have circumstance. We are such a blessed people. And yet we still don't have peace. We Sometimes we're not even going through things. And we're not content. Let me just say this. I'm going to ask Hannah to get ready. Come on up. Prepare our hearts for an invitation. But in Hebrew, Samuel means God has heard. We know that because Hannah was barren, could not have child. Finally, after her soul was vexed, God produced and she was able to have child. And she named him Samuel, which means God has heard. And I can tell you this morning, God 
has heard. You may put on a good front. <laughs> you may put a suit, you may put a dress, you may be here. And the makeup and the dress and even the mask on the outside may look like you're at peace. But God has heard. He knows your struggles. He knows the anxiety. He knows the, the discouragement. He knows the depression. And he knows that over and over again, you've been told that peace is unachievable. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus Christ can do it. If you would reach out and grab hold of it, he would do it. You don't need man. You don't need anything else. You don't need a king. You only need God. But I'm telling you right now, there is so much more than just going into a battle and coming out of a battle. That we're on eggshells all the time to say, well, God blessed me today. Most likely he's going to crush me tomorrow. And they crush me today. Well, I have one day of peace till tomorrow. And I'll be back in the storm. That's just the way it is. I'm just going to have to get ready for heaven. It's not going to get any better. But I'm telling you, in Jesus Christ, there is an Extended season of peace. But if you look towards man, you'll get what you asked for. And God told Samuel, tell them, you will get what you asked for. Stay with me and I can produce a season of peace where your enemies are subdued. I will recover that which you've lost. Even though they may surround you on every side. That you can have this peace despite Circumstance. I don't know about you. That's good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might be going through a situation that is, man, tearing you up. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ can give you peace in the midst of that. You may feel like you're in shackles, as Paul was. And I'm telling you, you can be content in whatever situation through Jesus Christ. I want you to ask you this morning as we get ready to sing. Have you been crying maybe silently to God? God, I can't take much more. I'm struggling. Seems like everywhere I turn, the circumstances, the situations, it's more than I can bear. And I'm looking to you to give me peace. Now, if I ask you this morning that if that's what your heart is crying and God said you can have it, if you would reach out and get hold of it, what would you do? What would you do to possess it? Now you can say, yeah, I'm telling you right now, you can stay right where you're at. But there's something powerful in stepping out by faith. Once again, the victory was not on the battlefield. But God at every time told Israel, be not discouraged, be not dismayed. I'm with you. But it's out there. It's not out there. The victory's already been won. I've already given it to you. I've already said you can have peace, but you've got to reach out and possess it. And let me say that again. You do not have to ask permission to the world. To give you peace that Jesus Christ said you could have. The world is not the authority of peace in your life. This word and his Holy Spirit is. And if you're struggling this morning, I ask you to come up. Listen, we've got plenty of room here. We've got a little altar there, big long altar there, and a little altar over there. And as Hannah sings, listen, we want to pray with you. We want you to step out and possess it. God wants to bring a season of peace despite your circumstance. You say, wait, he's going to fix the problem? He's going to fix my situation? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying despite situation, despite circumstance, you're going to have peace. In whatsoever situation, be content. Inwardly self-sufficient. Stop looking anywhere else today. Look to Christ. He can give it to you as we sing.